welcome to the Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by collegealternative.org, presented by Lilly Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Colin Cass. Colin, an associate certified coach, has been coaching young adults since 2008. Prior to coaching at Parent Coach Professionals, he started his own small business called Run For Your Life Coaching, where he used running and jogging as a platform for the coaching process. He also spent seven years working at a college support program where he served as a life coach, student life director, and admissions director. Colin has also done several presentations on working with struggling college students at conferences across the country. Colin holds a Bachelor's of Science degree from the University of Oregon and is a graduate of the International Behavioral Coaching Institute. In his free time, Colin enjoys being outdoors, camping in his 1984 camper van, and running ultramarathons. He is also the dog father to his 85-pound English lab, Captain Gus. Let's not wait any longer. Here's Colin. Colin, I'm super excited that we're sitting down, having this conversation. We're in Tucson, Arizona. It is like the sun is setting, so it's kind of picturesque, honestly. It truly is. Yeah. yeah. I'm honored to be here. I'm, I'm so excited. I, I literally, we, for a, a fleeting second, we were just talking about your story, which I literally know nothing about, so I'm super excited to hear. Um, so I'm just going to totally jump in. What I usually start off with is asking folks, like, where did you grow up? Mm-hmm. And then also kind of in line, what were you hearing from your family as well as kind of the community in which you were raised about post-secondary education not necessarily the importance or going the other way just like what were you hearing in general so where did you grow up yeah so a a bit of a unique um, experience in terms of my childhood Um, I grew up on the campus of a therapeutic boarding school in in the mid 80s Um, my parents originally worked at CEDU one of like the the founding programs in this entire therapeutic industry tree. And um, my, my folks branched off and ended up in Northern California in a tiny little town called Whitmore, California, which is a town of probably like 300 or 400 people. Literally one general store with sawdust on the floor um, <laughs> that I could exchange my like Tootsie Roll wrappers. If I had four stars on the Tootsie Roll wrappers, I would get a free lollipop, which was like that was my childhood. You wouldn't want to drop it on the floor. Wouldn't want to drop that it. That would be bad. Right. Yeah. No, but yeah, the, 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 uh, <laughs> the uh, sawdust Tootsie Roll is not a, not a very sought after candy by children. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they, they started a, a therapeutic program called Cascade School back in like 83, I think was the date. And I was born in 86, um, grew up on the campus of this therapeutic boarding school that at its height, I think had over 200 employees and 130 students. It was on 250 acres in Northern California, just like east of Redding, California. Wow. And I grew up on the campus and it was probably 50% boys, 50% girls, maybe. I don't know. I probably have those numbers wrong, but it was like Olympic size swimming pool, Olympic size track, all the stuff, like just it was meant for 130 students and I was zero to seven and a half living on the campus of this therapeutic boarding school. So a bit of a unique experience in that way. Growing up, riding my little tricycle or whatever I was doing around <laughs> campus. Um, and, I, and I loved it, honestly. Like growing up in that, I didn't realize how unique it was at the time. I just knew that there was 130 students, not knowing they were really troubled or really struggling teenagers, just knowing like, hey, they're, they want to play with me. They want to let me shoot baskets. They want to help like me learn how to skip rocks. So it was great. 
and I tried to know as many students as possible. But at the same time, I also was, you know, riding around and hearing like forms, like forms happening where students are sitting down going through their deep, dark issues and they're like cursing and screaming at each other. And in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is normal. Like people just scream at each other on a regular basis about the issues that they have and everybody uses I feel statements. And so there was a part of my childhood that was a major part of my childhood was fantastic. And a major part of my childhood was really unique. And I had no idea. Um, they would run big workshops, right? And a lot of people in the industry know about like the brothers and the sisters and the heroes and all these major workshops. And when they would let out, the students would come in and they would be celebrated by other students and it would be hugging and crying and like deep sobbing. And I was just like there, like with my teddy bear, just hanging out like, oh yeah, this is how, this is how humans interact. Like everyone cries in each other's arms and we listen to a lot of Kenny Loggins and <laughs> Judy Collins wind beneath my wings. And that's just what life is. <laughs> um, so that was, yeah, that was my unique experience. And there's a, there's a part of my childhood where I think I was impacted by that pretty early on of just seeing students in a really vulnerable space, staff in a really vulnerable space. And I wanted to be a part of something like that, but I didn't, I didn't really know what that was. I was just up in the middle of the woods on the campus of this boarding school. Um, but I think that I knew that I wanted to have an impact on people's lives. I didn't want to do something that was corporate. I didn't want to do something that was not going to make me feel like I had fulfillment in my life. So that was really early on, just kind of like what my, what my experience was. That is, yeah, I'm sitting here kind of just enthralled. Like, talk about imprint. Yeah. Unique is a good way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> early on, people would say like, wow, what was that like? And I'd be like, it was great. It was so awesome. And then over time and through therapy, <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Unique's a more fitting word, right? Like unique, unique really fits into um, the fact that there was a lot of beauty and stuff. And there was also a lot of just weird, weird things, you know, like there's a lot of controversial approaches back in the 80s and early 90s um, that to me was like, oh, yeah, this is this is normal and this is good. And I had to learn and navigate that. And then growing up, I, you know, we moved off campus when I was seven and a half. Moved about 20 minutes away, but I still would go and visit my folks when they were up there all the time. And um, when I was 15, got a job there, first job, because my parents early on were like, hey, you get a, a beater truck and you need to pay for gas. Um, they were always really, really good and really fair in that way. So I got a job on the maintenance, cr maintenance crew, like weed whacking and doing whatever, mowing lawns, doing whatever they needed. And I was around it more at an older age and was able to sort of better understand what was happening, right? Some of the approaches that felt like maybe they were a little controversial and what was working and what wasn't working. But I still had that same feeling of, I really want to be a part of something like this. Not necessarily Cascade. Um, growing up, I would tell people like, when I'm older, I'm going to be the principal of Cascade. I didn't know what a principal was. I just knew that I could be at Cascade all the time. And that was really enticing to me. And then growing up, I realized I want to be a part of this field. Maybe it's a therapist, maybe it's, you know, this is kind of pre-coaching being really popular. Um, and so I decided to, to pursue that and wanted to go to college, wanted to go to a four-year university. That was kind of like the plan. I'm very by the book and was like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And it brings anxiety, but I'm going to do it. And then Cascade just ran into some issues. And that would be 
a whole another series of podcasts, not just a whole nother <laughs> podcast. Um, and I won't go into it. But what I will say is that the school ended up closing and, and a university, an expensive university just like wasn't in the cards. Um, and if I'm being totally honest with myself, I think I was relieved. I don't think I, I was ready to, I'm a small town kid. I don't think I was ready to go to a, a university and I was never a troublemaker. I wasn't into like you know, I didn't, I didn't use substances. I wasn't like sneaking out or anything like that. And so I wanted something smaller. Um, and my folks were always very understanding of that. They knew like, listen, if you want to go to a university, we'll figure it out. But if you don't, there's no pressure. If you don't want to go to school, that's okay. If you want to do community college, if you want to work, it's totally up to you. Um, and I ended up going to Bend and, and um, lived with a family who used to work with my parents back at Sea-Doo back in the day. So I was continuing in the <laughs> being around this industry. And I went to a community college. I went to a community college for two and a half years and then was able to, to transfer and do like a grad transfer thing and, and end up at a branch campus of University of Oregon. Um, I didn't have to go to Eugene and be there in classes of three, 400 students. I was in classes of 30 students and the professors would come to, to Bend. So it was a really unique experience. I was able to accomplish what I wanted to do to study. My focus was in psychology and that's, that's kind of what I wanted and that's how I ended up where I was. Did you finish in four years too? Did not. Okay. No, not even close. Um, well, I guess close, <laughs> like within 12 months of four years. <laughs> four years and 12 months is a good way to put it instead of saying five years. Um, but... In, in afterwards, and I guess I'll, I'll get into that a little bit as well, but I went to College Excel um, in, in program, and, and one of the things we always told parents is, like, there's no such thing these days as a traditional college experience. Like, it doesn't exist. 100%. And for me, going to a community college where class sizes were manageable, where professors were approachable, I needed that. If I would have gone to university, I think I would have failed out. I think I would have probably ended up in a program. Um, and so being able to go to, it was called COCC or Central Oregon Community College, and have that experience to me was important. I could take my time. I could drop a class if I needed. It was relatively inexpensive in the grand scheme of things. And then going to the University of Oregon, I got to study abroad for a month. I went to Costa Rica. Um, and studied Spanish and science, and that was my own experience, and it was it was fantastic. It was out of my comfort zone, and it was fun. And and then right upon graduating, I guess while I was attending uh, University of Oregon, I went through a, a training. Uh, at the time, it was called Next Step for Success, but it was like a a parent coaching training program. So where other kids were going out and doing drugs and drinking, I was like, I'm going to be a certified coach. Which, looking back on it, was like I don't know why that was my decision, but. Um, and this is you at 22 years old. 22 years old. Yeah, yeah okay. in the class. And I'm sure that the instructor was like, you're just awful. But I was trying my best <laughs> because it's, you know, it's consultants and all these people. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll just ask open-ended questions and see how it goes. And I ended up, you know, getting through that. And it was, it was, a, it was a pretty solid experience. And then upon graduating, decided to start my own coaching practice. Um, and I called it Run for Your Life Coaching because I thought it was witty and fun. And I used running as a platform for the coaching process. I had gotten into running kind of right into like the tail end of, of, um, my time in university, um, with like a, it was a, it was a new year's resolution to lose weight with a friend of mine. So we started running and then, uh, ended up doing like some marathons and stuff. And so it was a big, it was a big part of my life and who I was as a young adult. And people don't look at me and think like, Oh, you must run. They look at me and like, they're like, 
you probably like cheese. Like, you know, that's like kind of, that's the vibe I put off. So it was like a, it was a point, of, it was a point of pride for me to just, you know, to be able to be like, yeah, I've ran, I've ran a marathon. Um, and it'd be like, oh, good, good for you. That's great. You know? Um, so I wanted to incorporate something I was proud of into a coaching business. And so it was run for your life coaching. And I would work with students, um, using running as the platform, whether that was like, Hey, we're just going to go for a really light jog. Or students would be like, I want to do a 5K or a fun run. Or if students were like, I don't run and that makes me anxious, we'd go for a walk. And so it was just being outside and, and, and using that as the platform for the coaching process. And then got my foot in the door at College Excel and was there for six and a half years and wore a whole bunch of different hats there and started off doing housing coordination and maintenance and I'm awful with my hands so I was really bad at it um, they'd be like my fridge is broken and I just would like try to I just try to like hammer the handle in with like a nail it's like it's, it really looks bad it does it wasn't great for parents to come in and be like who's who's doing repairs here so I quickly moved on to being a full-time coach and then ended up being the student life director for two years and then uh, admissions director for two and a half years. And then in that role, um, one of the responsibilities was doing parent calls. Um, and Barb Cass, uh, I will formally say, or my mom, um, was also doing parent coach professional. She had, she had taken over the, the, the business with Vicki Jones. And that was my first experience at College Excel working with families. And I was like, this is a really interesting, it lit something in me that was different than working with students to be able to work with the parents and say, Hey, what are you struggling with? What do you need support on? Um, for me, that was important. And that was, that, that led me into finishing my time at college Excel, took five months off, traveled with my girlfriend and, um, the great Patrick Devlin, who's who, you know, well, and, um, we did some traveling, came back. He started a program. I started at parent coach professionals and the rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably the fastest journey through employment and adulthood that I've had <laughs> succinctly for thank any you. interviewee. Okay, great. So thank you. Yeah, I hope the podcast listeners are excited that they're... But that was also like so well, it was so carefully crafted too, even though you said like, I don't really even know what we're talking about on this podcast before you sat down. No, you didn't really say that. We'll I did. This. No, it's okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I had no idea. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> But you My did that. Coach, you did that so well. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Touche. Okay. So I was just following your journey, though. Like, I could picture all of it, like the actual progression from literally like zero to seven and a half mm. being on a bike on a therapeutic boarding school property to this like natural developmental progression of this young man, of who you are now including some of these, you know, employment journeys and experiences on the way. You did a great job. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, was, I enjoyed that. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this directly because I ask all of my guests, do you see yourself as successful? It's a great question. Um, and short answer is no. Um, a little bit of a longer answer would be, I think that I'm on the way to being successful. I think feeling successful would mean that if I were to stop what I'm doing today and be done with it, that I would look back and be really proud of what I've accomplished and I feel complete. Um, I am proud of what I've done so far. I'm proud of the work that I've done with parents. I really believe what we do. But I think to say I feel successful means that you could end what you're doing, be done, and feel complete. And I don't feel complete yet. Wow. Okay. Am I supposed to talk longer on these answers? No, you're doing great. Okay. 
true to form to the literally title of this podcast, there is no right or wrong. That's right. So this is just you. I really appreciate how you are to the point. Yeah. But that's you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like I've never liked talking on the phone because it's just like, what do you you want? Just tell me what you want and then we can just, we can end the conversation. And that's probably not great if you were like, we really need some, some, we really need some good stuff for the pod, but... (laughs) Here we are. This is still really good stuff for the pod. <laughs> okay. Yeah, don't edit it out. Just well, keep it in. Okay, so you're a parent coach. Okay, I, I'm actually going to split this question in two. Because, okay. so really, the audience for this podcast is twofold. It's the young adults themselves mm-hmm. that are really looking for guidance or, you know, that comparison piece of like, please tell me somebody else has had a similar experience to me in, in some way, shape, or form during this journey of life. Um, and then there's also the parents. Mm-hmm. The parents who are, you are working with regularly, yeah. who are looking for any nugget of information that provides a sense of relief, knowing that their child is going to be okay. Yeah. So let's start with the young adult. If you could give any piece of advice, you can elaborate on this answer if you want to. Okay. Um, to a young adult who's struggling during this, like, what do I do? during my, you know, an 18-year-old who's like kind of on the edge of what does life look like moving forward, what advice would you give that young person? Great question. This is, this is a podcast regular, right? Yeah. This question? Yeah. Always. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. It's always answered for the young adults. You're probably maybe the 10th person that will answer this for parents. Okay. But I'm answering for the young adult right now. A- answer for the young First adult parent. right now. To say it very succinctly, which is, has been the theme so far of my, my time on this podcast. I'm giving you permission to be verbose if you want okay. to. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My advice to young adults would be don't compare yourself to anybody else's experience. And that may sound generic. Um, one of my therapists just told me very, very succinctly said, when you compare, you lose. Like, that's, that's all there is to it. And I think for young adults, and in, when I was working in program and when I was a young adult, so much of my experience was how does this compare to what others are doing? And I think that really sets you, it sets yourself up to feel really crappy about yourself, to feel like you're a failure, to feel like you're not good enough. And so much of young adulthood is about what are others doing? And and we use the term earlier, right? Like a, um, a traditional college experience, like that's right there. We're comparing ourselves immediately to like, oh yeah, you're 18, you go to school for four years, you graduate, you have a career at 22 moving forward that's comparing. And I think for young adults to be able to say, give yourself grace, give yourself room to make mistakes, know that your experience is yours and yours alone. If you're starting to compare to others, it's not going to serve you in any way, shape or form. I really appreciate that you said that. I don't think it can be hammered home enough. I'll even say as for myself as a millennial, I actually have one of those, like, you know, it looks like it came from TJ Maxx or something like that. You know, one of those, like, (laughs) cheesy signs. But it says, comparison is the thief of joy. And I I am staring at that daily as I'm on my computer, on the phone. Because when I'm working with families, it's just so easy for families to compare, young adults to compare, for us we're just human. It's yeah. it's natural, and it it feels so contradictory to be like, oh, I'm not going to compare myself to anybody. Yeah. And like you said, it's it's challenging, but I think it's it's so it's so liberating. 
totally. if you can actually like step aside and see a therapist, talk to your therapist, yeah. stop comparing yourself. And I think also just having awareness around it. Like if you can have awareness for yourself to, to know when you're doing it, right? I mean, it happens all the time. It's just what we do. Like I, it, we're at a conference right now and it's like looking around, I'm like, oh, that, that guy's wearing a great, look at his shirt. It looks great. Like, oh, why did I wear this shirt? This shirt's too flowy. It doesn't look right. His shirt looks great. You just immediately catch yourself in like these comparisons it's just how we work as humans to be able to have awareness of like hey I'm, I'm comparing right now and that's okay I know it doesn't serve me but if we're not bought into the outcome of comparing then I think we'll be okay so to then transition to if you could give a piece of advice to a parent yeah. of a young adult who is in some some form or fashion struggling during their young adult years what advice would you give that parent yeah this is probably the number one question that I get from parents if we're at the end of a call and I'll say like, do you have any other questions? They'll say, what are we not asking? Or what's the one piece of advice that you always give to parents? You have to be, as a parent, you have to be comfortable with your child's discomfort. Plain and simply put. Um, and I, I mean, I'm sure this has been said a million times on the podcast, but like they have to be un uncomfortable in order to change, right? Like at the basic human level, we have to be uncomfortable in order to change. If we're cold, which we both are, we put on a jacket or we, we rush through a podcast. If we're hungry, we eat unless it's the pandemic. And then we just eat because the food's there. But at the, like the basic human level, we need to be uncomfortable in order to change. And parents are able to understand that, but they're not able to practice that. And when their child is uncomfortable, they feel like they're the ones who have to make their child comfortable again. And I'll tell parents all the time, I really get it. I really understand it because it's your primal instinct to need to be a parent, to care for your child, to make sure that they're safe, happy, comfortable, all of those things. But as they trans transition into young adulthood, they don't necessarily recognize that that burden, and I say burden intentionally, is shifted to the young adult because it's difficult for them. They have to learn how to self-regulate. They have to learn how to manage anxiety and all of those things. And when the parent hears that they're in discomfort, they immediately want to rescue because that's what they're used to doing. And they've done it for 18 plus years. And in a lot of cases, a lot longer. And if they can sit down and understand that their child being uncomfortable is what they need in order to grow for themselves, then that's how they're going to learn and change. But if they continue to answer the phone every single time their child calls, there will be no shift and there will be no change. Yeah. I, I feel like this is a great point to end on because right. that's like rewind, listen to that again. So important. Yeah. So because what I love about kind of closing out the interviews is mm -hmm. really redirecting the guests to be able to connect mm -hmm. with my podcast guest. Um, and so how can people connect with you, whether it's just like somebody that's like, dude, I want to, I want to talk to Colin, or if it's like, Hey, I actually, I'm just curious about parent coach professionals. Like, yeah. how do I connect with you? Yeah. So you can go to our website, um, www. I didn't have to say that part, but it's parentcoachprofessionals.com. If you're wondering what the first part is, you shouldn't be on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so go to parentcoachprofessionals.com. You can email me. It's Colin, C-O-L-I-N-Cast753 at Gmail. Um, you can call me on my cell, 541-610-8109. You can also text me. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good info on there about what we do at Parent Coach Professionals, whether it's working directly with programs, or excuse me, with parents who don't have a kid in program or with programs directly, where we're doing calls with parents throughout their time in program to try to take on a lot of that, that 
parent piece for programs to be able to say, hey, when, you're, when your parent's anxious, go to your parent coach, whether that's pre-enrollment, throughout enrollment, throughout their time in program, we want to take those calls. And, and we see ourselves as the objective third party who will be really honest and supportive with parents. And we see ourselves as an added benefit for a program to be able to say, hey, we'd like to have a parent component. This is a, a great way to do it. It's either, it's, it's essentially no cost. The programs that we work with are, are rolling their, their fees or our fees into the enrollment cost. Six sessions is like $700. So we're stupid and expensive. Um, and so, yeah, that, that information's on there. I'd, I'd love to tell people more about it. I'd love to talk about our parent coach trainers Academy. I'm pretty good at fantasy football advice too. So if you want to hit me up about that, just like, let me know a lot of passion for all three of those things. I'm shaking my head. No hard, hard pass <laughs> pun intended. It's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Hard all pass right. pun intended. It's the worst football pun ever made. <laughs> Can you tell that I would never participate in fantasy football? Yeah. Okay. So we'll make sure that we have your phone number, your email, and the actual website in the show notes. Cool. Colin, thanks for taking the time to share your journey. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. That's it for this week's Success is Subjective episode. I want to thank my guests for joining me on this week and for being willing to share your journey. This podcast would not exist if it weren't for people such as yourself. Stay tuned for our next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their personal story with the world. Make sure you check out the show notes where you will find contact information, website details, and all social media for our guest. Also, put a face with a voice by accessing their interview on the newly formed successissubjective.org website. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, you can email me at joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, at successissubjective.org. I would also be remiss if I didn't tell you to check out the collegealternative.org and lilyconsulting.com websites for additional resources outside of podcasting. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, please do me a favor and subscribe. And while you're at it, feel free to leave a review. You can also download to listen to the Success is Subjective podcast on any other podcast playing app, such as Audible, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Last but not least, Success is Subjective is listener supported, made possible by me and by you. You can support this podcast by joining the Patreon community at patreon.com backslash success is subjective. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it.